If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know how home shopping can be, and that can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you actually do need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? Good question. What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Maybe it is. Why can't it? Guess what? It is. Now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better, hold on. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listing and sales history. Wow. That sounds good. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information. All at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. So I heard you bought a house. <laughs> hey, Dana. I did buy a house and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's always good when the house is on Google within 15 seconds. People's like, I've already seen your house. I never need to come over. I saw it online. All humans know where all other humans live, you know, because we bought a place in the mountains and the business manager that we both have said, oh, you know, no reason to put it under a trust or try to hide a name. Everybody knows you're there. Isn't it creepy? Yeah, mine was under his his name, my big fake, you know, house. And then uh, they just figured out. So, he's like, we don't even need that anymore. So. I don't know if I should say this, but my wife and I, you know, after you bought the house, but you haven't moved in, we actually camped out one night in your yard oh you went to my house yeah we knew where it was like everyone else there was a lot of people there and we get out of the way i know the guy you know it's funny uh <laughs> that there was a transient in there that the real estate guy just mentioned one day he goes oh there was a guy and there i go okay in my house he goes yeah it was it was had furniture and he was he was just sleeping in one of the beds and told him to get lost yeah, it's it's fine it's like three little go, bears that, or something that feels weird yeah it was like goldie people Law. always worry about the homeless but i always say what are we going to do with the clueless yeah. No one has an answer for the second part. Does Biden? There's no funding. <laughs> My Biden is now down to a side. Biden doesn't make sense. Come on, let's get real. I'm not kidding around. No joke. No joke. That's really should be, that should be our alternate title for this. No joke. It's no joke. Not kidding around. I'm not kidding around. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, tom uh, hanks. Oh, is tom, oh, oh, tom hanks. Yeah. Um, he's good to... Hang out with. He mm. was in, what are your favorite Tom Hanks movies? Well, I have, I just think he had a run like uh, Red, Redford did in the 70s. He starts out with, Phil- well, put you can put Big in there, kind of like crazy hit. Jesus then Christ. in Philadelphia's story, drops a couple LBs, gives it, gets the statue. Oh, that's right. Comes back with Forrest Gump like eight months later, like the Beatles drop and Magical Mystery Tour after the Pepper album. <laughs> then he comes back with Forrest Gump, another Oscar, not since Spencer Tracy. Then he comes back with Apollo 13, which I think is a perfect movie. It's like a left and a right. Then it's Saving Private Ryan. Oh. Hello, reinvented World War II Spielberg genius. Then he loses 100 pounds, does Castaway. No one's ever done that. That's like a mic drop of show business. The right worst there. part is, I'm not going to say which three, but I turned down three of those. And, now, and, I, and I see him and I go, I could have done that. I heard you were the stunt body double after the weight loss on Castaway on, in the wide shot. And they go, we don't want, want him skinny fat. And I go, oh, is that what I am? Remember when you, you had to be Perot in the wide shot? I was playing two characters in a sketch on SNL, President 
Bush and Ross Perot, but in the wide shot, they used you as Ross Perot. Do I remember or do I think about it? I want to apologize right now for okaying that. Yeah, the answer is I think about it all the time and it makes me sick to my stomach that I had to get full hair and makeup, bald cap to go for a wide shot. I know. And then right when it came, I didn't even, and the worst part, I didn't know it. And so when they went for me to talk, they go, hold. Thanks, David. Back to extras holding Dana, getting hair and makeup to play. Pro. Well, it's because you kind of look like my little brother. I mean, for a long time, I didn't even know your name, so I just called you Understudy. I remember that. Hey, Understudy, come over here. Because, yeah, you were like laying in wait. You actually put the dress on for Church Lane once, right? They fitted it. <laughs> you were like, why is the pizza delivery guy still here and trying to write on sketches? <laughs> All right, let's get David to Tom Spade Hanks. Is, yeah, Tom, Tom Hanks, please enjoy. Remember, it wasn't that long ago um, to create content. You actually had to type a blog, you know? Now, this just removes all effort from it. <laughs> all effort. Exactly. I, this is, yeah, welcome to my job. Let me get this straight. The three of us <laughs> don't sit around all day in a way and crack wise. Yeah. And, you know, this is what we do all day long. Talk about Pretty stuff, sort of. Yeah. Dodge issues. That's when you're creative, when you're just hanging out, not trying to do anything. Then so something pops our, in your brain. Our, why prepare when we can just make it up mentality is now providing us a, well, providing you guys with a, uh, with a, a healthy living. People love behind the scenes more than ever. Is that what we're, is that what we're doing behind the scenes? We having a talk about behind the scenes? Well, so? kind of. Because I got uh, I got some lingering questions from "Don't shoot me" that I want to fire at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a bone to pick about that. <laughs> I worked too. I worked with your uh, your former boss on that. Um, Who Levitan? Uh, the actor. Oh, the actor. Siegel. Uh, 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 no, 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 no. Um, who played the uh, played the photographer with the beard? He was in. Uh, I'm having a cranial plate shift here. He was in the uh, Rico. He was in the Mister Rogers movie, uh, A Beautiful Day. In the Rico. Rico. How yes. Can you, God, Rico. How, can you, how can you forget a name like Rico? You did. He was what? He was one of the most delightful human beings I'd ever come across. He was a. He He's was, a sweetheart. He was a blast. We thought he looked like Cookie Monster or uh, something from oh. Sesame Street. And how many uh, years did you? How many years did you do that show for Dana? That's a great question. Dana, in all his years, has never asked me anything about me. Um, well, I've, I've, uh, I want to know what your back end was. No, that, that's well, the real question. I like no. I'm a numbers guy. That was old TV, man. <laughs> you know, you could, you could have come in third place on that night, and you would have numbers now that would be heralded as, you know. I got, I got canceled with 24 million viewers the mickey rooney show 1981 we had 24 million on a saturday night they said get your stupid show and get off the lot what numbers did they use to 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 justify letting you go i don't know maybe it was mickey's handgun that he had at the ready at all times his 38 revolver i i I think that plays now (laughs) they showed dana's numbers on an abacus they're like each bead equals a million viewers God, Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Dana, you worked with Mickey Rooney. You worked with Burt Lancaster. You worked with Kirk <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> Tell me you made out with Sophia Loren on some movie at some point. So, that- uh, Meg Ryan played my girlfriend oh. on the Mickey Rooney show for a few episodes before you got your claws on her yeah. in those mailman movies. I can't remember the names. But uh, mailman. Yeah, the ma- mailman movies. Those, yeah. those mailman movies. Here comes like, mailman. I think that was the name of both of them. 
both of the films. My, okay. I have a real a, question. Go. Yeah. yeah. I, I do too. Play By the way, you played a mailman. You dodged my question, David. You dodged my question. How many seasons of Just Shoot Me did you do? Oh, we did six. And six seasons. That's huge. 148 high qual episodes. But what I did, Dana's wow. real question is after the first year, I was added on after the pilot. So I wasn't on the show. I watched hmm. it. And we'll get to you, Tom, in about 40 minutes. I I was added, and then they wrote me in, and then uh, we reshot the pilot. Anyway, after one season, they go, I try to sniff around for some more money. Yeah, yeah. And they go, uh, hey, easy guy. We've had one lucky season. You're on against Friends and ER and like sort yeah, of a heyday yeah. of all these things. And by the way, if you were a substitute teacher, you'd love the pay that they were giving you. On yeah, I was show. good. But then I thought it's not enough. M meanwhile, when I got it, I was ecstatic. So I was coming off about 600 a week on SNL. So I go, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> Overpay. And so I go, I want more. I demand. And they go, well, we would rather give you a, a piece of the show gambling if you don't want more money right now, gambling that it won't go five years, we're betting against you. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and then later, a couple years later, I go, can I get some more money too? <laughs> and they were like, good God. You know, I, I, my, my, my interest was actually the quality of the writing and the performance on the show, but you went right to the no. bitterness of your deal. I was answering you went right Dana. to the amount of money. Oh, you were answering Dana. Tom, you and I are actors and we understand a different mindset. Uh, Let me ask you guys a question. Yes. You're watching television, you with Rita, me with Paula. Do you ever find yourself seeing an old movie or TV show, you look up the guy's age or the woman's age, and then you look up their net worth? You ever done that, or is it I, just me? I must me? say, I've never done Thank that. Thank you, no. Tom. You're a decent never. person. You've never looked up how old <laughs> is Kelsey Grammer. Well, How old? We can we can make an estimation I, because we've been watching him since he had a couple of lines on every Cheers episode. Right. right. But that was a while back. So I know he's, you know. I'm going to put him around our area. He's over he's over 40 because that's how many years we've been watching him on TV. <laughs> All right. I have, a, okay. I have a real question for Tom. I have a real question. And I have a that. real question for Dana. So okay, we'll okay, just okay. go around. We'll just go around and around. I have a real you question. You played a mailman. And you've got Mailman. Twice. And you played no. one, a FedEx guy. Do you feel like you're typecast? Yes, I do. I, as uh, I'm looking for that perfect DHL project. Uh, and I, I have an entire closet full of brown shorts, brown shirts, brown socks, and brown shoes. So when it comes time to play Mr. UPS, right. they come to me before they go to anyone. I think an Amazon worker who wins the company lottery oh, wow. and goes on and, Blue Origin. And goes up into space. How about that? Everything ends with space. Wow. <laughs> Everything. Which I, when I think of you, okay, here's a statement. You can respond any way you want. Because <laughs> okay. I, I see you Fair. as a quintessential baby boomer along yeah, with I myself. No, I was born in 1956, right. 55, beat you. I just Googled, Googled it. But anyway, I want to, first of all, when I think of you, I think of World War II. Yeah, yeah. The Beatles, because <laughs> of that thing you do. Yeah, and yeah. out. And outer space. Yeah, yeah. Basically. World War II Band of Brothers. Incredible. Yeah. So here's a question for you as a, as a 50s, 60s kids. If you had a mm -hmm. choice, would you rather have a Super Bowl or Silly Putty? Uh, oh, man. Silly Don't Putty. Don't answer. Oh, oh, right oh off I'm it. right there okay. on Silly Putty, and I'll tell you why. You roll up Silly Putty into a ball, and it is a Super Bowl. Wow. 
you d- it bounced really high and yet you could like stretch it out and put it on a, a newspaper and then re- pull it off and see the comic Fucking right there on Dagwood. the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. You could shape it like buck teeth and put it in your mouth. You can right. tear it in half and put it behind <laughs> your ears and make your ears stick out. Uh, Silly Putty, um, which should have been called Super Putty, Miracle you know, Putty, because it could do Miracle Putty. That, it that was out. Been. It was uh, developed at NASA, I believe. Uh, and who, actual who, su- who did not lose a Super Bowl after, after about two days? First one, right? Boing yeah. later, Boing up, up on the roof, <laughs> Boing into the uh, down into the uh, into the culvert, off into the wash. Oh, overrated the, the or underrated baby boomer toy? Slinky, overrated. Agree. Yeah, yeah. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Ooh. Oh, underrated. Cool. Oh, underrated. Yeah. Underrated. That was the gold standard. You could never live up to the commercial <laughs> on most toys I got, like Evil Evil Knievel with the Zip SSP. What are they called? And it would uh, go for supersonic power. You know, you'd pull the string in it, or they yeah, and, yeah, and it would haul ass. Mm. It's hard to make it jump the Snake River, but it was cool. That was you. You could get over a pile of books, yeah. you know, with the right kind of like ramp. That was honestly, I, I became a very, maybe because I'm older and wiser, I became a very discerning connoisseur of toy commercials that I knew were lies. Yeah. It's <laughs> not that, that's not that great. It took me too Hasbro long. Hasbro were always lying. Hasbro. Okay, here, and I know, and I'm going to tell you why, because I could tell that on a slinky commercial when it walked the stairs without a yeah. care, those were not real oh, stairs. Mm-hmm. The, the treads on those stairs were only like four inches wide. So you take them home and say, oh, I'm going to make this walk down the stairs mm-hmm. from, you know, upstairs down in the living room. Like a fool. Well, those treads are 11 inches wide. Damn. It would go down one, but then it Carpenter. would stop. I'm adding Sherlock Holmes to the World War II Beetle outer space guy. I'm adding Sherlock Holmes to you. And as soon as you got that improper knot in the middle of the slinky, you know, where yeah, it was it over. twisted the yeah. wrong way, you, it never came back. It was over. Let me give another baby boomer quick All right. conversational piece because my the formative years. David's a little younger than us, but you know, kind of from and four. Yet, does he look at you, fucking assholes? So. Don't it's even the years of abuse, my friend. I blame I the ring He's, light. <laughs> you got to face the window. I spent I a ring, half hour I, on this. I have ring light poisoning. <laughs> Even though this isn't going anywhere, only Tom will see You fair-haired boys don't age well, man. You just don't. We don't. My ancestors were in the caves in in Scotland and and Scandinavia and Ireland. My my skin was not prepared for the growing up in California. But this mic really works for me because the neck just left me a while back. (laughs) The neck, the neck went nuts. I know. That's, that's why you see a lot of guys wearing ascots, you know, and kerchiefs around. Yeah. Like Nora Ephron, the great Nora Ephron. I I hate, I hate my neck. neck. That's yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. Okay. These are just fun for me to think about and think of which ones you would like. Movie movies and all you can add TV shows too in your formative years that stuck with you. Uh, I got to put Wizard of Oz because I saw it when I was three or four. Scared the shit out. Oh, the flying monkeys, man. Scared the fuck out. And the witch. Why is that a kid's movie? It's so scary. It is so scary. Luckily, there was no Twitter back then. They they, would have colorized the early black and white portion of the movie because they the network would have been afraid that hey, it's in black and white people will turn it off and colorize <laughs> the first part that's, that's, okay. what, that's what they're thinking would have been. all right so in 59 or 60 i don't know when these movies went on tv i assume fairly 
quick after their theatrical release, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Didn't see it for years. Didn't see it for didn't years. It for All right, years. pass. Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, huge. We got a winner. You know, pound, I know. If you look at that, pound for pound, moment yeah. by moment, and you can you can talk about um, <laughs> oh, who was the guy that did the animation, world famous. His, his name will come up. Uh, Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen. Stop animation. Stop Between the Valley of the Titans with those huge um, statues that come to life oh, and yeah. the battle, a battle against the skeleton army. If you take that and just say, okay, never mind how cheesy it looks and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It is pound for pound the most action packed science fiction fantasy movie. Ever. Oh, yeah. But the, the, the stop motion still holds up and still is has a creepy quality to it. The giant man where they took the Achilles heel and all the. Yeah, yeah, and all the sand came out. Or that 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 the maiden head figure that was the goddess Hera or whatever Whispering, it is. Whispering, yes. You would open Jason, Jason. You must go to the <laughs> Yeah, no, it was that was great. Oh, and how about the harpies that they capture on the net by Yeah, with the blind guy. And, oh man. And oh, the man. gods playing games. So you I that showed a, that. That was a biggie. And I show that to my sons, I you know, at an appropriate age where it blew their minds, you know, six, seven, I think eight. also, you'll say, so you and I are watching this, uh, Jason and the Argonauts would have been on TV. It would have been on something like the CBS Sunday night movie, the NBC yeah. Saturday night movie. And because it had those commercials in it, we mm -hmm. could pause our excitement just long yes. enough to one, develop essentially all the ADHD that we now carry with us. Right. Because our attention span needed, oh, yeah. needed a commercial break every, every 12 minutes or so. Yes. But it ended up elongating the night. So, you know, it's, it's the, an hour and a half movie would really be stretched out into two hours. And that was a full night of rock and sock entertainment. Yeah. And it's great to have the commercials. Oh, I like yeah. the commercials. And, <laughs> you know? okay. so, so not long some I'm going to say I'm going to say 66 maybe mm -hmm. the ABC Sunday night movie first started showing James Bond movies and that was like, I have you, Gold, Goldfinger, Goldfinger on here as you crazy? seminal this yeah. was this was un that was insane it was so great but Bridge over the River Kwai Bridge yes. over the River Kwai is shown in two parts on Sunday night and on Monday night on Monday every guy at school is walking around whistling the Colonel Bogey March. Can you do it? Dude, I can't. Yeah. So we're doing that. That's and we from. are, we are, well, no, it's actually a very famous uh, musical march. But here's the thing that David Leeds shot that thing <laughs> in the finish. widest screen possible. And, but we watched it and essentially 350 lines of bad video scans. Analog, yeah. Analog, and with a feature called pan and scan, mm -hmm. so that a scene that on, on the screen would have three people in it talking in the jungle, pan and scan would be on William Holden and then slowly, <laughs> automatically move over to some other guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. But you could not have convinced me based on two nights with commercials and pan and scan, the bridge over the river Kwai was not the greatest motion picture ever made for, you know, for a couple of weeks until I saw something. Else. <laughs> oh yeah. So I knew, I knew I'd floor you with these. I knew. Looking to save on delivery dash bash from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings. You can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, 
grocery from across town, or anything in between. DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You have an SNL question? David, do I have an SNL question? Well, I had one. Well, you guys did uh, the uh, the comedians. Were you in that one together where you played comedians? Oh, I remember that. Smigel wrote that. That was one of the first things Smigel got on the air. The stand-up guys. I would just say, yeah, when Tom came to SNL, he was, I just made notes. No shit. He was the most like a cast member to me. Like, he felt like a cast member. That's cool. The first time I did it, I was wickedly excited. The second time I did it, I wasn't very good at all. But the third time I did it, which is when, when you were on. By that time, I knew what not to do and how to save your energy and how to participate. Oh yeah, it's a it's an incredibly difficult it's thing to host. Much meeting. easier to be. Yeah. So so Smigel, Robert Smigel, yeah. of the of yes, uh, talks to him Bell, all the time. Genius, uh, absolute genius. He came. He said, "Listen, I wrote this thing about you know comedians who always say, I mean, come on, I mean, hey, you know, they're, they're why kind would of, they do this? Why that? would they yeah, do yeah. that?" And he he wrote in a joke that was like, "Hey, what's the deal with socks?" <laughs> You know, and uh, Dennis Miller, uh, the comedian par excellence, says, hey, man, yeah. that's that's Jerry Seinfeld's material. You can't take that. From him. <laughs> he, no, he was adamant. He yeah. says you cannot take a comics, tri- a, you know, great bit and blow it out on TV. He'll never be able to use it again. And Smig was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's old, man. He won't miss it. He said, no, man. You know, you can't do this. So we, we called Jerry Seinfeld. To find and, out. And I never met him, but, you know, we're in the famous people's club. Hey, you're famous. I'm famous. So we can talk to each other like we yeah. know each other. You know, it's yeah. all a lie. Right. Yeah. And uh, I said, listen, I'm on SNL. We're doing this thing about fame, uh, comedians. We're, I mean, I'm like, hey, I mean, what's the deal with the socks? But if you're still doing the sock bit, we'll come up with some other joke. So rude way to put it. Was a, <laughs> I said, oh, you know, I really appreciate the call. Quite frankly, that's been retired from my act. If you guys want to do oh, it, you can go ahead nice. and do it. I very, don't care. Very great. Hey, what what's the deal with a date on milk? You know, it was that. Guy. I mean, hey. And then later, when Jerry came, I, we when he was hosting, we did a, some kind of game show with him 
where we did it's jokes. Called, I mean, hey. And I had a joke that actually worked. It was like Gilligan's Island. What's up with Gilligan's Island? If the professor can make a radio out of a coconut, why can't he fix a hole in the damn Fucking boat? true. So it was actually a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good joke. That's what a good is joke. the deal? I don't know where <laughs> oh. I'm going. <laughs> it was brilliant. And I, I do believe it was one of the first things Smigel got on the air. You can ask him yourself. I remember, and I was doing this, somehow this came up with someone the other day. We were playing, you guys, Smigel wrote it probably, but we were, you, you were playing a guy who worked at an electronics store oh, from, yeah. from the Middle East. Yes. And the idea that inside <laughs> these gadgets, they were like kick-a-day generic gadgets, but inside they had Sony, Sony electronics. Sony guts. And we were, yeah, Sony guts. Which which, which, was, which was something I was told at an electronics store yes. owned by Middle Eastern guys <laughs> who were trying, you know, who, who really wanted to take cash, not a credit card. It sounded like real something. And yeah, he was what York. he was telling me was he says, no, 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 you don't understand. All of the electronics come from a very one single place, and everybody <laughs> makes their electronics out of from this place. So this is actually Sony Guts. He said, <laughs> Sony he said, Guts we said it three hundred times in that sketch. He, was it Sabra? He's got Sony Guts. <laughs> it was Sabra Shop. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. He's what. got Sony Guts. He's got Sony Guts. He's got Sony Guts. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, look, 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 look. That's, Sony what, Guts. that's what he said. No, 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 no. Look, like, and what I loved it is Michael did it so that it looked huge on the screen. You know, like it looked like it was a really big piece of electronics, but when his finger came into the into the frame <laughs> to push the button, you realize it was the size of a wallet. It was a very very funny bit. Oh, smile! But uh, we, you also go ahead, David. Oh, I was going to say wanna talk about when we were the naked sketch, the penis sketch. But oh yeah, I'll do a quickie of when on my end when I was just writer performer and Tom came in. What one thing was funny was we that Tom let me write a sketch with him, which was. Uh, didn't make it to fucking air subway oh, surfing, but oh god, yeah. But it was a good subway idea that surfing, subway, I got to write with surfing. the host. And I think in the middle of dress, we were giving it everything, and we were looking at each other, going, "It's not, it's not happening." Like it's the worst feeling. You're like, "Fuck, goddamn!" Because it just did it have a did it have a theme song? Or yeah, it was a full yeah. song. Oh, yeah, it was a full it. song. It was like we we were we were ruffians who we were essentially a surf gang that rode rode the subways and. Uh, said, what was it? Some of the lines were, uh, don't be afraid of a youth gang turf war. Just stand up and balance and make it a surf war. <laughs> oh, you boy. don't need a wetsuit, <laughs> a border, an ocean. The transit authority provides you the motion. Holy shit. And then we had the, the bridge was INTO. BMT bow 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 IRT wow 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 subway shuttle subway shuttle subway shuttle blah 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 it, and here's the thing Lauren <laughs> hated, Lauren hated Lauren. it he just oh. said I don't I don't get it are you are um, do you live in the subway why I don't he put the whammy on it because we gave it fucking everything and you know sometimes when you do a sketch. If you just get off, I don't even know if it was that one, but sometimes you get off on the wrong foot. If you just had two takes, it would be great. You just start yeah, and you yeah, go, yeah. can I start again? But instead you're in it and you're like, God damn it, it's going. Not happening. And, Not and happening. the audience doesn't know where you're going. You miss that. You just. It didn't work. Oh, I'll tell you. Okay. So we're in a pitch meeting, Dana. All right. And you know, the Monday meeting uh, where we all cram in Lauren's office. Incredibly and, fun. And, now, can I just, yeah. can I just say from the guy, from the host perspective? Yeah. 
it is the most exciting gig in show business. It's exact. It's less than oh, a week. Yeah. You show up on Monday, you're exhausted, and yet you're spent by in, end of the show Sunday morning. Yeah. But you do wish you could do it again. You do wish you could just come right back. On right, because now you get it. Now you're like, I got it. I got it. I, I would say it. as a cast member and sometimes host, experientially, first of all, you're in New York City. Yeah. yeah. Second yeah. of all, you're in Rockefeller Center. Mm -hmm. the, there can be animals on the show. It's a three-ring circus. It's Everything's going live. You're, you're never ready. Uh, so it's just, and then there's the crazy party. I've never stayed up that late in my life. I actually, the last time I was out there doing a guest spot, that energy up. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go to the end. I'm not going to bail out at 4 a.m. I'm going to stay. <laughs> I was at, I was at Lauren's table and I'm going to see what this guy can do. So he's going on, he's saying all this brilliant stuff. You know, we were, we were, we see what you think of this one. Oh, we were raised in the wilderness and then we got civilized. Our kids are raised civilized, and we expect them to go out into the wilderness. So stuff like that for hours, for hours. is kind of brilliant, right? <laughs> Finally, the hang lights hang come up. I love the lights it. come up at 6 a.m. Well, I guess we should be going now. But yeah, go 6 a.m. Let's go to 88. Amazing. Uh, what about, um, okay, so we're doing this pitch meeting, and Tom might have been the Bruce Springsteen Tom one, maybe. You did one with... Bruce? I did, yeah. Okay. I did. I did. I, the, the those people alone are a reason to mark, you know, that the hang that you Oh, get my on. God. I mean, and yes, we're excited because we just finished with Alec Baldwin or something. And then it's like, you just get wake up hungover. You're doing an honor and like Tom Hanks this week. So you go in. And I think this is with you. Maybe it wasn't. But, you know, we go in that meeting. And, and by now, Tom is caught on by his eighth hosting is that some of the ideas are bullshit. So because we're everyone's just getting their bearings. <laughs> And so you got to have an idea. Yeah, you got to have an idea. And Lauren is like, David, yeah, there's, Dana. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some water treading at that Monday meeting. Yeah, because everyone like, yeah, just I finished. Yeah, about a guy who, you know, has You want to surprise him at read through. So you don't want to blow your water at the thing. Ah, it's funny. You yeah, want to surprise a, There's him. A, a guy with a catchphrase. Yeah, it's all a game of like <laughs> psychologically tricking the other writers and making sure. Because, you know, by the time the show's there, like Tom said, it goes so fast that you're like getting your UPS costume ripped off in Velcro and they're putting a new one on. They're like, and the writer runs with you out and goes, by the way, you're not rushing your Polish now. And the middle's different. And you're like, what? Three, two. And you're like, hello. <laughs> and yet there it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. So we're in the meeting and they go, and they go, uh, what's your ideas? And I see Farley sitting on the ground, pulling on the carpet and pulling on his hair. And he's just so fucking nervous and he never has any ideas. And uh, and Lauren sometimes skips him out of just mercy. <laughs> and, you know, and then Schneider or someone's giving a fake idea. Tom, you're, uh, you know, a caveman afraid of caves. And Tom's like, okay, okay. And then uh, it all sounds like an idea. And then, then he goes, Chris. And then Chris goes, and then he goes, pull hair, pull hair. And he goes, then he goes, his, his fingers oh, yeah. are snapping yeah, with each other. he's touching everything. And yeah, he goes, yeah. hey, Tom Hanks. Um, and then I'm next to him going, are we saying his whole name, Tom Hanks? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Out of nerves, hey, he goes, Tom Hanks. And then he goes like this. I was thinking maybe uh, this is the real one. And I thought it was for you. He goes, you know that movie, um, uh, Marty? And uh, Lauren goes, with uh, Ernest Borgnine. And uh, Chris goes, yeah, uh, something about that. And uh, and then everything's dead silent. Oh, and Lauren man. goes, this is the week. 
Everyone's going to be looking for that Marty sketch. For Marty. <laughs> and, he, and then I go, are you out of your fuck? And he goes, shut the fuck up. And he, I see it written like with a crayon, Marty. I'm like, <laughs> and then he goes, I saw it the other night. I go, what does that have to do with Tom Hanks? He goes, shut the, you don't know fucking anything, dude. And then we, and then we leave shut and I go, hey, up. I don't know if they're, are you going to go write up Marty? And then the rest of the week, everyone's like, what's the status of Marty? Is Tom going to gain weight for it? Brutal, brutal. Brutal, brutal atmosphere. So funny. Nothing like it anywhere else in show business. This is the other thing. There yeah. is you. There is no gig. There is no hosting thing. There is no cameo that you do that is like being on Saturday Night Live. And I think that's still yeah. that's the reason why it people still come out and say, I can't believe it. here I am on stage on Saturday Night Live, and the audience always whoops. That's the beginning of the roller coaster. The monologue. You're like. Yeah. Do you guys think that it was unintentionally a bit of a reality show because you're putting Michael Jordan yeah. on a live sketch show and I'm behind the slat with Michael Jordan. I can see he's a little tense. So I'm going, Michael, just if you have to just look at the cards yeah. or you're with Sting. We're going to go into the scene and he looks at me and goes, how's my hair? How, how is it? So there's these, you know, the high wire act of Wayne yeah. Gretzky or Gotta Joe Montana. <laughs> I love the the one where he was essentially a hockey player in Hawaii. Yes, <laughs> and he was so good. And he flipped a burger off a grill, and Phil Hart said, "How did you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he sang a song, didn't he? I mean, yes, he, was really, he, did. he was surprisingly oh, charismatic. When, you know, the st- oddly, a lot of times the stuff is not hilariously funny when it's on. Yeah. It's still worthy of of repeat viewings and examinations. Because you know, there was one where when Will um, was Janet Reno. Hey. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was in a dress and he had that little bit of lip gloss. And, you know, he was threatening everybody and punching everybody. And then you guys got the actual Janet Reno, the attorney general of the United States of America, to bust yeah. through a fake brick wall and and yell Hilarious. it's clobbering time Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> janet reno buster says it's clobbering time i said how did, they, how did they pull that off that is that's a brilliant that get. is part of the fun that you don't know who's coming who might come and there's really almost no one too big to just do a cameo or something just to pop well in. everybody everybody okay so here's a question for the two of you guys you're on the show for a long time and you in a lot look, you guys kind of like became seven years. You became David Spade. And you know, you had the Hollywood minute mm-hmm. that was uh, you know, immediate I don't know if that was your immediate uh, you know, yeah. every time every time you were on, you got a nickel. Yeah. And then Dana, you started with the church lady, you know. I don't I don't want to okay. So you're how long you were on seven years, Dana, David? How yeah, many years six. you were on? All right. What is the day like hmm. after you know? Or have been told that you're not not on SNL anymore. This is a this is a great paradox of show business that I'm fascinated with because every you can talk about the highlights. Mm-hmm. It can all be this is your life, and then Dana, you 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 played drums for Wayne World. You know, you know that, but right, that's the yin. The yang is mm-hmm. your aces. You're at the top of your game. You have established yourself. You've taken the beachhead. You've landed on the moon. You've done all those things that you never quite believed would actually happen, and yet you had faith in yourself to make it happen, and then it did. And 12 hours ago, or 24 hours ago, you knew you were going to be on SNL. And at noon on a day, you know that, okay, I'm now going to move on to the next chapter of 
being funny and what I do for a living. How long does that last? And how do you get um, through it? Well, I can only say for myself, like when I got on, you know, the, the idea would people were going to leave and be movie stars. <laughs> I mean, I think Eddie Murphy did three years. Other people did four. When I left at seven, John Lovitz left after five and Dennis. I stayed till seven and it was sort of all the forces at play. I got almost too big because of Bush, yeah. Wayne's World and Perot. So there was so much coming at me, but I feel like I really was just catching my stride. <laughs> I mean, I think it was at, at year at year seven. Yeah, six and seven. I think at least eighty shows just to get used to tape and everything. Yeah, having fun with with very little fear, and that's when I was doing Carson, which was the only sketch I had on there where I didn't, I wasn't cognizant of it. Is it getting laughs? Because mm -hmm. I inter internally it just felt so funny and real to oh, me. Oh, and that th those were you, those you watched on slow motion. You watched know. every every because no one in the history of show business had nailed Carson. No one had been able to do him. No, no one, no one had had imitated him on TV. Not Rich Little. Not no, no. And the it combo was, with Phil was, was perfect. Yeah, the weird, wild stuff. Uh, I yeah. did not know that. Skewed. I, I'll fit. I'll throw one thing in for you right now, Tom. This you probably have stuff you do just for friends. Not really a bit. <laughs> so for friends, I do. I don't know why. Johnny Carson getting pulled over on the PCH in 1972, okay? Yeah, by the Highway Patrol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, officer. I didn't know I was swerving. I had two slippery monkeys at the hook and hook. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so it's the cocktail and the establishment. <laughs> go on go on YouTube and see one of his Karnak, the Magnificent Bits. Fucking in love which Karnak. He holds up, he <laughs> opens an envelope. Uh, to his forehead, and he says, "Sis, boom, ma." Yeah. And, yes. And and, and uh, <laughs> I know that says one. "sis, yeah. boom, ma." And he opens it, you know, blows on it, pulls it out. Yeah. And says, um, "What does your sheep say just before it explodes?" <laughs> oh my god! I saw I saw that with friends over over the holidays, and I swear to God, we laughed for seventeen minutes uncontrollably. What's the sis, sis? boom, ma? Sis, boom, ma. Johnny, Car Johnny Carson was untouchable. I did um, Peter Jennings moderating yes. a a the, one of the one of the uh, uh, presidential debates before you nailed that. Not got that. You I were you just had glasses and a wig on. It said stay the course. <laughs> that was it. And you were Jennings. Thousand points of light. Stay took the me a year to make that character funny. Took me a year. Well, because they're really so basic, you got to find a hook. I come yeah. on. I come on it a year later, and I haven't done the show. And by that time, you are now you're doing it. And I got. I saw the script. I was. I wasn't in the sketch. I right. saw the script pages for you as Bush, and I honestly said, "This is written in gibberish. I don't. I don't know what it said." <laughs> it said na ga ba ba. Said, na ga ga da. Yeah. And, and ga -da. that is it. Na da 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 da. What does this mean? I don't. I gotta do it. The thing about that sketch is that I was in a lockdown shot. Uh huh. So and it was the cold opening. Home base. The only time I I could extend rhythms, I could improvise a bit, take things further, and many a time I thought, okay, I'm in trouble when when it was over, because they go, it went 19 minutes. 
That and the uh, and what was the the, the guy um, the McLaughlin group when you Where's did your number one. It's your yeah. number one. M- Morton, teeny tiny tabletop. Eleanor, <laughs> I think you're swelling off. I'm literally talking about something I saw once. <laughs> and then Wrong. I could, offer, I could Special K with I, banana. What did you have for breakfast? I had special K with and banana. sliced banana. Yeah, that's banana. what I remember. I, I just, I had the show taped, so uh, I saw one of the compilations reruns and there was some some sketch that was in a restaurant and everybody was saying oh uh oh you uh you, you like yeah. the taste you yeah. want to taste the sauce yeah. oh you yeah. like, like the it sauce. Juice. and did you like it a juice and i just came in the tail end and david spade came on looking like he was 13 years old and saying yeah, yeah um is there any way you guys could end this sketch <laughs> oh you'd like us to win this sketch ah. yeah you like it if there was no more but catch you phrase. honestly you looked like a mormon missionary who was knocking on the door collecting <laughs> i saw that and i was boy that shocked needs- that they let me do that at the end of a sketch because we never really did that fourth wall shit but it was a good way to get out of that Great. yeah, like yeah that's do- boy that's that was always the trouble ending those sketches yeah you get into them oh, yeah, and you gotta get, get out of them uh, what we about- had some good uh, waiter sketches. Yes. Oh, I like the horny waiter. I like presentational stuff, and I think one of the early ones that Tom was in that has resonated, people are aware of it. So the song is Mr. Short-Term oh, Memory. Mr. Short-term oh, Mr. Yeah. Short-Term Memory. Oh, Mr. Michael. Yeah, that was So the, the premise is completely up front. Everyone knows what's going the on. Song. And then that was one where I just thought maybe you were kind of the perfect cast, like <laughs> to play that guy. All right, so here's what I remember. Yeah, <clears throat> a perfect a perfect sketch provided you did it with alacrity and and didn't put a bump in it. Yeah, the dress rehearsal performance of it was so perfect that it did not live up to the actual oh, air show. I hate that. And that was and that when we when we come off, I think somebody did an invitation. Of, Don't worry, it'll be perfect in the rerun. You know, meaning that they take the dress rehearsal. Oh. And and slide the dress the dress rehearsal thing. That's nice. Uh, as I got more used to doing SNL, I was sometimes I would peek at read through, like I was going oh, yeah, so all out, and bad. I and I never got back to it. Yeah, so, yeah. And that last year, I was pacing myself the whole time, and really, even the dress show. Make sure you're not doing it the but, best. At the, that happens the on movie. That happened on that happens on movie read throughs. So, so I said, let's not do read throughs anymore, guys, because they're fake. You know, it happened on Bosom Buddies. They're, you know, just killed at the table. Yeah. Never, never. When you quite get out there, there, it's not quite exact. I, sometimes I remember at Michael J. Fox show, I was doing Michael J. Fox to him, and he started laughing. <laughs> And it, it made the sketch so crazy Mallory. fun. And uh, then we did on air and he didn't. And, I, and you just lost something. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I yeah, went and yeah, begged yeah. Shoemaker. I go, put the fucking rerun on, will you? <sighs> and put it in the goddamn dress. And uh, that's a tough one to get dressed. So you, but you got, you get, like you said earlier, Dana, you go to this incredible place, 30 Rock. And you're in the, you're, you know, you're yeah. up on 17 for all the just writing. the whole thing. And then, and then the big thing happens and the whole show transfers down to historic to eight, AH, yeah. you know, where Toscanini yeah. had his own elevator and they did the, they did the Colgate comedy. I don't know. One of the most famous. Jerry Lewis would cut the and, tie off. And of then, the and then you're, you know, and then you're not playing major league ball. You know, the season, you know, at the eighth year after the show, I just I, look, I, I have moments, not every movie, but I have moments when uh, the shoot comes to an end and I real, I got to go through a physiological 
process of grieving because we'll never come back to this place. And like if you do a play on Broadway, man, that thing is gone in the wink of an eye. And you've been there for six months. All that work. And the, your whole your whole experience was about pacing yourself in order to peak at the right time. And if it happened, it was by magic. And if it wasn't, you were frustrated by it. I've I've had cast members uh, Fred Armisen talk, call me or email me about this very thing. Mm -hmm. What what do I do? When when can I watch the show again and yeah. not think they're doing my show? Yeah. And sometimes doing it maybe better than I did. Fuck. I have trouble watching it when I'm flush with memories of being on, you know, being hosting. Yeah. There's sometimes I just oh, man. First Can't of all, there's, there's nothing like nothing like being alive. Like, put me in, coach. I can play center field. Then put me in. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh no, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We 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 we. I have ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women. I thought. I want to learn a new language. You know what? I, I do have a, because uh, I'm, a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of, of, of French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak listen and think in that language that's the hard part i think that's it and it's an intuitive process you pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally first with words then phrases then sentences and it's all designed for long-term retention which is great because i took spanish for 12 years and all i know is how to find a library yes donde, i know donde está la biblioteca so this one really really you retain it i learned german and i know has to western now abra no, has to Bruder. No, nine Abra covers by Swester. That means have. Do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone. That's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. By mm -hmm. the way, the lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 Language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly in the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. 
Oh yeah, visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm-hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wish I'd stayed a few years longer, but in those days, but you like- can't. I mean, there is this, or I mean, it's like you know, Stan Musial, Sandy Koufax walks away from the walked away from the game. I don't want to right. keep using sports analogies, but it's I love point, them. <laughs> at some no, I point, know. you got to go. I'm, you know, I could do it, but there's there's an aspect of it here that isn't good, going to be good for the Tom. Story. I when I left, and Dana, you can listen. When I left, thank you. You can hear what I tell Tom. Um, yeah, that. It was starting with writing on yellow pads. You know, we didn't have computers or anything. And learning how to write a sketch and going through that whole process of getting to where I could kind of write a sketch pretty well. I was never like a super SNL guy, but at least I got to the end where I kind of had my moments. And then when I left, the hard part was almost anything I did, first of all, was never as hard. And 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 it was hard to find people that were as good per capita as everyone around me because I had the writing of Jack Handy and Downey and Smigel and Conan and Bob Odenkirk and Greg Daniels. And then I got these guys, we know we, we came in, forget, you know, me and Brock and Farley and Sandler and Timmy and, but we've got Dennis and Dana there and love it. And they're fucking great. Phil and Jan, Mike Myers. Yeah. Mike Myers. it's It's every season is some form of a murderer's road that you cannot create that atmosphere. And when you come close I mean, that's about the highest thing I could say. I felt that way about uh, doing uh, uh, Broadway uh, on Lucky Guy. We had uh, 14 people in the cast, and I just said, this is as good a hang as SNL. This is the yeah. same kind of like group of people who are both merciless and filled with nothing but a brand of love and respect. You kind of know it, too, because you go, I got to, if I can even, because at first at read through, I was like, I just can't have my sketch be so shitty that everyone goes, what the fuck? I just want to blend in. I don't even want to get on. I just right. want them not to go, Jesus Christ. Hey, stand up. Who was this? Cause I <laughs> yeah, was new yeah, yeah. and I, and I, my first sketch had 18 sets. I, no one even tells you. I'm just like, <laughs> don't do and that. And then they yeah. go, who sketches 27 pages. I'm like, for the audition process, did you have to go and like hang out for like that afternoon at, uh, with everybody in order to see if you could handle kind of like the environment. Dana lived with when you were still auditioning for, for it. I was, <laughs> I auditioned in LA. I, I'd auditioned twice before I followed Kennison at the comedy store and bombed for SNL lieutenants. And then Who wouldn't? it came around again in 86. I thought I'll give it a shot, but I, I played a little club on the West side that Rosie O'Donnell was headlining. Mm. And then I'm going on. I knew Lauren was going to come see me. Never met him before. And then in comes Brandon Tartikoff, the head of the network. Ooh, and, wow. and, Tartar and sauce. Share of Sonny and Share. Get Whoa. out. So they sat down and then and they Cher. go, now Dana Flarfo. So that that was kind of <laughs> now ding bang right. bong. All right. So you're talking about you're talking about critics. I here's my question for you, Dana Carter. Sure. I can't remember when you told me this story. 
but we were comparing notes on um, San Francisco, and uh, mm-hmm. I I had I had not lived there for a long time, but yeah. it, it really did become this kind of like hotbed of a type of stand up comedy because what yes. what was the main venue there? Was it the boarding house? Was that what it was called? Oh, well, early it was the boarding house, and then the punchline was the first comedy club that came in, and then we had the intersection. Depends what era, but in the seventies when I was at San Francisco State, yeah, it was mostly the Holy City Zoo on Tuesday Holy nights. City Zoo. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a few of them. Yeah. I'll say so. But now you you are Dana Carvey and you're playing the main room, whatever that thing was, the main, maybe it'd been the Golden Gate Theater, the Kern or something like that. Yeah. The Great American Music Hall. Great American might have been that. And here's what you, here's what you said. I said, oh, you still, uh, are you still gonna, you know, you'll go back and, and do that often in San Francisco? And I said, you know, I used to, but I'm not going to do it anymore. And I said, oh, why? And, he, and you told me this story. You performed in front of an absolute huge sellout crowd. Yes. You killed. You left to like 17 standing ovations, screaming more, more, more. They wouldn't let <laughs> okay. you off the stage. You could, You said, I could not have had a better reaction from an audience at a stand-up right. comedy. It's one of the best shows I've ever done. I feel that inside, deep inside my soul. Right. And the critic the next day, wrote Dana Carvey rehashes old material in pedestrian uh, or pedestrian. bombs or whatever. Yeah, it was whatever. Old. Yeah. And, Gerald Nachman. Okay, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't want uh, this of uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm guessing. Right. And right. there, and there you have it. There you have this other thing that goes into it. There was undeniably a huge, fabulous show that you just put on. And someone said, mm. yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't know until recently that I was really always a sketch player, not a pure stand-up. And mm-hmm. so it's a delicate environment for me. And when I play small clubs around L.A. sometimes, it's a different sport. And I was yeah. in a big room. And right. the better I, the more famous I got on Saturday Night Live over time, that was the first year, my stand-up got shittier and shittier. Yeah, I get that. I would, yeah. And then I was getting- Because you come out and say, well, and everybody screams. Because yeah. yeah. it sounds and like he's going to do the church yeah. lady. I remember the first, you know, first time I could do a college for a lot of money. It was like a year's salary from before SNL. But I, I hadn't done stand-up in six months. And you're looking at your notes and you're, so you're getting so much money- but as a, as a, your act is getting worse and <laughs> yeah. worse, it's like they just cross yeah. over. Well, remember that day of Shakespeare that we did? It's like you come in, we read oh, it yeah. through, we oh, stage yeah. it, like and we yesterday. perform it that night. Jack- oh, Jackson my God. Brown, Julia you, Roberts. You were, you were a man on fire. On, well, right? I, we did Twelfth Night or something like that. I was that. with I you know. out there. Who you, else? You were, but no, it was like these moments where the, it was like, well, there's a, this is a fun thing. We really, but wait a minute. Here's Elvis Presley entertaining us somehow. You you just you just drove every scene of yours so deep. I think I might have ad libbed something like you should work more often or something like that. <laughs> but it was a fun. It's a fun premise. This idea we're doing Shakespeare, but you, we can also take these flights of fancy, yeah, yeah. change our voice. Yeah, so it's not going to be work. You don't want people to sit there for an evening. Of oh yeah, no. It's still if you if you're still doing that, I'm around. So so David, <laughs> you you're done with SNL, and you I, I remember you sort of like automatically being part of the zeitgeist, automatically showing up and working and being in things. Well, Tommy Boy, right off right off the heels. Oh, of the skinny and fatty yeah. movie. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Huge, Tommy huge Boy shit. was, yeah, a couple years in and then uh, written. Lauren said to some writers, 
right the way these two are around the office. Spade's always poking him and making fun of him, and he's falling down and uh. performing for him. Oh, it, uh. it really worked. And that was yeah. exactly what the movie was, because I don't think we could pitch a movie saying two guys in Ohio sell brake pads. <laughs> I mean, it's really the dumbest movie in the world. Uh, that is the secret of any pitch. Never tell them what it's about. Yeah, because like, people That's go, what funny. was that about? So uh, I think you were getting to the thing where I finished and what was I doing next? And that was very hard because you don't know. And, and it, it was timely. <clears throat> I left a year late. I left after Adam and Chris. Oh. And Chris Rock was already gone. And, and Will Ferrell came in, who was perfectly pleasant. And he was fucking great. And I'm like, I feel like now I'm college and there are high school guys coming in. I got to go to college. And I, <laughs> yeah, I got, that. I didn't really want to leave, but I didn't really fit in. And I thought Dana fit in more because we were all like buds and I kind of just left. And then they said, it was sort of, you could probably do your own show after SNL because they, wow, they will wow. give you one shot. You'll get, you'll get a shot. You'll get a shot. You'll get a single but you shot. don't yes. even realize if that shot doesn't work, it's almost over. Like if you, prove to them it doesn't work when you do your own show then they everyone scatters you don't really think that yet but i know after snl a lot of people go away and so they go do you want to be the fifth lead on this other show but people like it and nbc likes it and brandon tartar sauce likes it and so they go if it gets if that works i'm already 90 percent there because they already like it there's a good writer from Larry Sanders and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I just, and you had a persona. You developed a persona. And if I did my travel. own show, I'd have to hire a spade guy to run in and do yeah, jokes. Yeah, and yeah, leave and yeah. It just much, was a good much, fit. Yeah. The, the, the safety of a quality ensemble. But, but you, you mentioned Chris Rock. This was a guy that, I mean, he just remained Chris Rock and ended up changing the art form in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Without getting that kind of here's the Chris Rock show, here's the thing, here's the movies. He just kept, uh, you know, being that kind of like poet laureate of stand up. But I remember him in, as Mad X, the talk yeah, show yeah, host. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the, the week that Andrew Dice Clay was on the show. Yeah. He says, Andrew Dice Clay, I got, I got a limerick for you. There once was a dude named Dice who looked like Don Johnson on steroids. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> blah. My big black put in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah rock, when rock left he went to the back door yeah. of a stand-up special to come back and he came back huge uh we talked to him the other day and he was at the lowest part he left snl not feeling good about it and then he went to in mm. living color and then they got canceled and he was like i was nowhere and he goes i just hard to imagine in living color getting canceled but i guess yeah, he said when comes. he went on damon and or, uh, keenan wasn't there and uh it uh. was just a ragtag crew and so it was. It had its great, great greatness, and it, everyone just kind of jumped ship. So, did you see his documentary about hair? No, I heard it was because great. he's got daughters yeah. and stuff. Like guys, it's mind bending. It's literally a, a a a window, a portal into a world that we don't yeah. know anything about. Yeah, yeah. His his resume because we we interviewed him and is massive. What he's accomplished it, and the chances he's taken and the specials he's done. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's exhausting. There's only one other resume that I read that made me had to take a nap and that was yours. Uh, <laughs> that's just because I've just got Oh, look at these Tom Hanks I've movies. around, man. I've just You're been like, around but, but wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it just and said. It keeps, <laughs> my wife and I watch Bridge of Spies. That's in our oh, rotation. Oh, my Lord. That's, you know. Um, that's like I, a perfect movie. I, I'm in the thing now. I, I'm able just to say now, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be a blast. 
let me do that. that I, I'm, I'm lucky in that way. And that was one of them. It was just played into every one of, look, I read that stuff for pleasure anyway, that type of, that type of history. Yeah. And I got to go back to Berlin. What was great about that movie is, you know, we're talking, the, the whole thing is about the bridge of spies, which was yeah. this very specific bridge that in the day had a white line down the middle of it that said communist on this side, free world on this side. Yeah. And that's where we shot it. I mean, we were literally right there where all this stuff went down. You can do that. Somewhere. Yeah. That, that was crazy. Great. Crazy. Great. Greyhound. Sorry. Cause it's so recent. Loved it. Oh, Greyhound. Go. See, you must hear from people who just love, we don't get old fashioned World War II movies enough. Well, you know, the thing I've heard that has been really very, very, very rewarding for both me and Aaron Schneider, who uh, directed it, is we hear a lot from Navy guys. I'll bet. Yeah. Who all say, no one bothers with the particulars of the, the Navy. The <laughs> North Atlantic. But you, but you guys did. Says, That's the Navy, right? And you there. captured the rudimentary technology and you as the captain trying to decide, do we go left or right? The tension of that and the cold. We, we had we had this we had this problem. We started shooting it. We shot it in Baton Rouge, and it's like some some form of you know studio or whatever says. Um, listen, what is the dog watch again, and what is mid watch? Well, that's the that's the name of the of the replacing shifts because everybody. They, everybody comes and stands their watch for four hours. He said, do we really need four watches? <laughs> Can't we just have the same guys there all the time? And I said, well, you can, but then look what we lose. We lose the sense that the, you know, Krause has been on the bridge that entire time. And then we only have the same faces over and we don't have a sense of the, the passing of the days. He said, yeah, it's just really expensive to hire all those actors. That's what it boiled down to. <laughs> Who's that guy? That's just AD guy. Hey, you know, uh, I'm a, I don't think people realize unit manager how hard it is to get a movie right, beginning, middle, end. You can read it; it's good, and then in the editing or in the casting or in some way, it falls apart. And I think, like even myself, I probably have only thirty movies that are great, it's top to bottom. And I think I've got I got four. I'll say I got four. <laughs> so I, I have twenty six more. <laughs> I think four are pretty good. Four are pretty good. Four. I can think of four. If yeah, that's just 40. from the early nineties. That is always bachelor party. Ah, look at that. Oh my <laughs> fucking bachelor, bachelor party. party! Don't sleep on that, guys. Guys, I'm I am driving with my wife. We've been married for a year, and we're in a car. And we're we're driving through the the wilds of France and Italy. We stop at an auto route place to eat. You know the mm -hmm. autostrada. Yeah. You know the main yeah. highways in Italy. Mm -hmm. And it's like a Howard Johnson's. It's like this big place, except the cafeteria. It's it's the greatest Italian food you'll ever have because oh, yeah. in Italy they cannot serve bad food. They don't no. live that way. So we're having this this fabulous feast of self serve Italian delicacies, and there was a big bus outside that was, believe it or not, the Puerto Rican national baseball team that Perfect. was going around playing exhibitions of American baseball by way of Puerto Rican players in Italy. And we're sitting there eating. I'm putting oil and vinegar. And one of the guys just, ah, hey, <laughs> bachelor party. You Fuck know? Yeah. And, this is, and they said, we were just watching it in the bus. Yeah, <laughs> so right. They're, they're driving around Italy playing baseball, watching bachelor party. In the all bus, my movies know, were for buses after. of athletes. They would all say, we watch on the plane, watch on the bus, we watch when they were VHS. Okay, all right. Okay. So let me, let me tell you the story about one of the, here comes the mailman. Stories, okay. Okay. Uh, movies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is absolutely 100% true. This happened. 
all of our kids were little. And so uh, Rob and Michelle Reiner and uh, Reed and I say, hey, let's take the kids to Disneyland for a day. They're young enough to really enjoy. So okay, that would be great. So we work it out. We're all going down in the same car. The kids are so small, they can fit in the way back. So there's Rob and me and Michelle and Rita and the kids. We spend the day at Disneyland, and then we're coming back up to 405. And we get stuck in, you know, heavy traffic, and we're just slowly going along from, from here to there. Now, Rob and I appeared in um, Sleepless in Seattle. We had a bunch of scenes together. Applause. And, uh, you know, we remember this is fine. And we've been friends uh, more or less ever since. And as we're inching our way through traffic, here is one of those. It's uh, the airport flyaway bus, you know. You land at the airport and you can get on one of these buses and it'll take you to a terminal somewhere else or vice versa. So there's a bunch of commuters on a bus stuck in traffic going to, to or from the airport. And it's one of these brand new major buses that is showing a movie on screens up you know, for, for everybody just to blow time. And we, you know, we, you kind of edge up to the bus, then fall behind and go ahead of it. And the bus, you, we're just doing a dosy do right next to each other in the same lanes. And Rob says, Hey, they're showing sleepless in Seattle on that bus. <laughs> so, so we said, this is, this is hilarious. You know, maybe when let's try to be next to this bus, when our scene comes up oh, great. so Hilarious. we can watch it on the thing. So <laughs> lo and behold, there's a scene where Rob and I are sitting in a, in a, in a coffee shop, having a discussion about how to date. And there we are on the screen in the commuter bus and some guys watching it. <laughs> so I leaned on the horn, honk, 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 <laughs> until this guy hears something and he looks down and he sees Rob Reiner in the shotgun seat and me drive it. And we're pointing at ourselves and then pointing to the screen on his bus. But he doesn't quite get it for a while. And I guess he recognizes Rob and he goes up and then he then his whip pants yeah. to the screen above and then back down to us and then back up to the and I just think, how did that guy tell his wife about what happened at the bus? So I'm like, uh, you know, I'm watching this movie. <laughs> then all of a sudden the guy's in the movie and a car right now. So this is one of those surreal moments in a show business uh, career that is equal equal then to he looks other. for Meg Ryan and the Jetta next yeah, to him. Yeah, she wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Where, where? Sandler, when he was doing his movie with Jack Nicholson, I think Anger Management, he'd, oh, be, yeah. he'd be driving and Jack would be in the passenger seat. They'd go to a stoplight and people would look at Jack and Jack would just put his face quickly up against the window apparently and just go, ha! <laughs> just like a scary what a star i don't want see. you staring you ever at you me. ever you ever come up on to those open open air uh tour buses that drive up and down sunset yeah. boulevard we've been at we've been at a stoplight a couple of times you know mm. honk the horn and say hey have you seen anybody great you know and then then they all oh my god you know <laughs> one time i got have to this, dress Tom, as garth they, to get they go next guy. to him and they go uh and they're on there and i'm like this and they go, the guy goes like this. David made a face. Then he goes, uh, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. Gave the thumb. That's this it. guy. Well, who, who knows who they probably just saw Matt Damon yeah, down true. at Doheny and Sunset. That's true. Then, I'm on know. Sunset he, a lot. So yeah. He's fabulous. All right. Uh, okay. Let's let Tom go. I mean, I know we got fucking 50 more things, but Tom, uh, we could, well, guys, we could do this. I know. I love it. I love it. You know, never, let me just say one other thing about the yeah. SNL days. And this is, this is about the, you know, the, the cradle of uh, creativity that it is the first couple of seasons 
uh, first couple of appearances that I was in, there were these three riders that shared a room in the back that was too hot. But the, between the three of them, they just they came out with four or five really, really great sketches. And I called them the boiler room boys. Eh, let's see what the boiler room boys come up with in the back. They're like the junior executives, uh, you know, in charge of sales or something. And one was Conan O'Brien. Yeah. One was Bob Odenkirk. Yep. The other one was Smigel. Yeah. So these guys were out there cranking out stuff that was, and that's the, that's why the experience is unlike uh, any other in show business. You come across those kind of talents at both at the moments when the place where they're just proving themselves and then the other place where they have proven themselves so much that it's like on Monday, say, yes, is there any way I could uh, do the being the liar sketch? <laughs> you know what's really good? 2021 right. is the first year that John Lovitz only drops your name once a day now. <laughs> what what, what do you mean? How we were, when we did. We did the first season and I and uh, I knew he was from L.A. and I knew he had been a messenger before, you know, he got the gig through the groundlings. And I said, want to go have lunch. So he and I just walked down to the Yoshimura noodle bowl. Restaurant. <laughs> I've been there. And so two of us are just sitting there, you know, eating our noodles. And John's, you know, John's already saying, yeah, that's the ticket. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I I'm, I'm I've got. Uh, enough cred that I've been invited to host for the first time, you know? Wow. Uh, and yet it was just, you know, kind of like down there saying, and is it, Hey, is this a pickle or what? Can you believe this kooky thing that's going on? Were you doing yeah, league yeah. of their own yet or not? Oh no, that was long before league of their own. I think I had just done, uh, I would say nothing in common, maybe. Uh, uh, that with I can't remember. No. Yeah. I think the musical guest was Charday. Here's the musical guest. I was on Charday. Randy Travis, huge. Okay. Edie Brickell, Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Aerosmith. Yep. Wow. Springsteen. Yeah. Tom Petty. Fuck. And the last time I did it was uh, Lady Gaga, who Ooh, rocked wow. the house with She's the unbelievable. with the first with the first name. Oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I did it with a Red Hot Chili Peppers. How many times Holy did you do it? You know, Eight, I lost ten. count. Eight. I, I looked I, it up. Well, between, between the uh, uh, reunion shows, I don't know if those things count. No, I not say for that this. if you if you are tasked with being in the monologue, <laughs> you have host the show, and a couple so of the those five timer club. On a, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was that was a big yeah. That, Probably that. ten, and then maybe five other and, and change and change and change. 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 I think change. it's a, I think it's a big deal when you get up into double digits. Yeah. You know, I like, think only you are second only to Steve Martin, maybe. Well, no, sure. I think I think Baldwin is ahead of it, and also John Goodman. Oh. I think he's done quite Goodman, a few. Goodman, you know, he was Goodman. on a lot. My yeah, second yeah, show was great. Baldwin's first show. The read through when hosts come in. And are going to cold read fifty five sketches for <laughs> it's four so hours. so ridiculous. The most exciting, exciting yeah. six hours in show. People like you, John Goodman, Danny DeVito. Uh, I could mention a lot more. Where you're listening to them cold read and watching their choices on the fly. <laughs> yeah, being just great. It's like school. So it's it's a real skill to be able to read that well. You know, and cold read. You know, the writer's going, Tom, at this as you go to the read through, uh, they, you got to play it slow, slow down at the end on the uh, the waiter. You know, you come in later. You know, or you're reading so. it wrong, and you see the writer like this over there. Well, as as you've hosted now, you then have been in Lauren's Mike uh, Lauren's office immediately after the read through, yes. and all all the all fifty five sketches are up. Uh, yeah. Their their titles are on cards. Yeah, and you just go through each one. Um, 
Uh, Dana, Church Lady Six, would you like to put that on? Again? Six. Can we put it on? Wayne's World. Church Lady World. Six. Could we do that? Uh, Tom, uh, Ant Commander. Jack, um, Jack, Jack, Jack likes it. So yeah, put it up there. Can you send Jack Handy in? I want to see if he can tighten this sketch. Okay, so so uh, one of the times I'm doing it, I'm working with Jack Handy. And I know that he's one of the legends, you know, he'd yeah. been around SNL a oh, long yeah. time. And he told me about, he told me about, I also put out this kind of like goofy little magazine uh, called Army Man. I said, oh, I'd love to read that. And so he hands me this essentially five Xeroxed pages that have been, <laughs> that have been stapled together. So, well, here's, here's yeah. my, here's my, oh, here's my, here's my magazine. It's called Army Man. It was like a <laughs> funnier than a bad mag. It was like Mad Magazine condensed yeah. down to oh, yeah. you know just lethal uh, heroin style quality uh, hilarity. He's a it silent was, killer. Really, I said. I said, how do you? How, is there a way to subscribe to this? Is it? Yeah, I, I can mail you a few. You know, yeah, literally pull hey. it up, send it to you in the mail. What a mind! Hey guys, this has been great. I've Thank enjoyed. You, uh, I enjoyed the the stroll down. Uh, your lives, Spade and the Carvey Avenue, right here, right here at the intersection. I'm going to say, with the risk of sounding show business sincere, this was a complete pleasure. Thanks, gang. Next week's guest is Daryl Hammond. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. Production and engineering led by Greg Holtzman, Richard Cook, Serena Regan, and Chris Basil of Cadence 13.